podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Previously on Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. And you could have like a children's mm. book. So, you know, A is for Alyssa. I like the fact that Australia remains steadfastly on the right side of the line. And then the heat death of the universe seemed that the most probable way for it to end. We should be raising money for hamstring awareness. Yes, we definitely should. <laughs> In a week where India proved yet again that Australia should not be trying to compete with them in Test cricket in Queensland, this is Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. Well, the Ashes are going ahead. The first test on December 8, and whether Joe's here or not, to be honest with you. <laughs> Who was that, Dan? That was that was Tim Payne. So uh, he's, he's got his thoughts about the Ashes. Oh, yeah. He certainly does. Yes. Uh, so you're here with Kat Jones and Dan Lipke. This is Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. And I think I'm with Tim. I, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, regardless of whether Joe Root and the rest of the England team show up, Australia should just get out there, put them into bat, bowl at unprotected sets of stumps, bowl them all out for zero, go in declare it naught for naught, come mm-hmm. back out, do it all again, and then do it five times over and retain the ashes zero zero. I think that's the that's the Australian plan. Do you think uh, Australians in lockdown would they're so glued to their their televisions that they'd actually watch that? I think so. <laughs> I, I think I think the Gabba would be packed. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't they don't care up in Queensland. They'll go there. They'll love it. They'll so what's the only risk of that that approach? Well, I think the big risk is like uh, somebody like Mitchell Stark just spraying down uh, you know, leg side for five <laughs> wides, and then all of a sudden you're behind in both yeah. the test or the innings, the test and the entire series. So, yep. um, And then you lose the Ashes. So you, I, I think you open the bowling maybe with uh, Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummins and say, just take it easy, guys. No front foots, no mm. wides. Just hit those stumps and we'll uh, we'll get them all out. Mm. So there, 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 that's a very good plan. But there has been a lot of chat so far, hasn't there, about the Ashes considering we're a fair way off. In fact, the Sydney Morning Herald newspaper asked this question. Has there ever been so much nonsense said and written about an Ashes tour of Australia before a ball has been bowled? <laughs> the correct answer is yes, every <laughs> single time. Every <laughs> single time it's full of nonsense. Isn't it great, the media sort of joking and, and complaining about uh, other media beating up <laughs> the same thing they're beating up. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's very funny. When I, when I uh, put that uh, plan out on Twitter about how Tim Payne wants to win the Ashes even if England don't show up, uh, I, I did get a response on Twitter from uh, Sports Jessica who suggested that instead of going for the tie with the double declarations, mm. uh, uh, Australia could also just send a Warner and Pukowski out to open the batting and stand around for six hours for five days and, and get a draw instead. Well, that'd be good use of Warner and <laughs> well, Pukowski. Yeah. Yeah. He can't get into any trouble in nightclubs or anything if he's no. standing out in the middle. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's good. Pukowski might do his back, though, standing around for you know, 30 <laughs> that could, that hours. Could be shadow, that could be shadow batting. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that'll work. Maybe they should mix it up. Sometimes they'll. Well, bat. they could just sit in the centre of the pitch playing Uno or something. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we discuss the cricket news of the week. So lots of stuff going on in the world of cricket, as always, but we have just enough time to cover the Test leg of the Australian v India Women Series. Yeah, so this is the the middle leg the, of this multi-format series. Australia won the first leg. Uh, a little bit of controversy about that, but they... is there a middle leg? 
There is a middle leg. <laughs> Isn't there still left leg and a right leg? Um, not, not this time. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the, the, the second leg, the middle leg, <laughs> as Australians uh, get an opportunity to see definitely their first test of the summer, but may, maybe mm. also their last, depending on what happens with England. At least, if nothing else, we have seen one test this summer. Well, yeah. is it summer yet? It's almost summer in Australia. It's almost summer. Anyway, so exciting to see the Australian women in white. Mm. Did they look fabulous in white? Yes, it was very very good. Yeah. Anyway, this was also a pink ball test, right? A day-nighter. Yep. yep. And uh, confusing, of course, as always, about the breaks. I think you went off for a walk at one point and you went, hang on a minute, is this the 40-minute break or the 20-minute break? Well, I didn't go for a walk. I went off for a run. I, sp- <laughs> I sprinted around the, the park so I could be back within 20 minutes and then there was still 20 more minutes to kill. You should have gone around twice. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Australia won the toss and they decided they bowl in this test. And and I, I'm assuming that's because they had eight bowlers in their lineup. I think if you've got eight <laughs> bowlers in your lineup, you pretty much have to bowl. Well, don't you? you know, if, if life gives you lemons, <laughs> yep. you make lemonade. Although, are these bowlers lemons? They're not really, are they? No, I don't think so. No, not at all. Yes. But uh, India defied all uh, yeah. all eight of the bowlers. They they. Mm. Uh, I mean, Australia didn't particularly help themselves. They dropped yep. catches and they took wickets off no balls and they refused to appeal for LBWs. Yeah, so maybe they were lemons. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> they were, yeah. Um, but India tried to tried to help them out a bit. We had, we had a walker, yeah. Uh, so we had uh, Poonam Rout. She walked. She said, "I'm out of here." Off yeah. she went, and it was obviously very disrespectful to all the Australians who can't abide walking. Yes, of course not. And uh, and, and look, it didn't matter anyway. I mean, Poonam Rout must have known that they were going to be out there for plenty yeah. plenty of batters. There's yep. no need for them to actually uh, worry about one one or two even walking. Yeah, no. um, and and the Australians were out in the field for such a long time. Gave us a, a really good look at how the baggy greens work with the ponytails, and they and they don't work at all. Do no, they, Dan? no, definitely need to, need to cut some kind of hole in the back mm. of the back of the baggy green for the, for the ponytails to come out. It must be very difficult. We were we were trying to work out who who was the longest haired male mm. uh, Test cricketer from Australia who might have had uh, ponytail issues. And all I could really think of was uh, a young Jason Gillespie had, had a ponytail, I'm sure. Mm. Well, now we're wondering, we're finding out, I think, why none of them do have long mm. hair because it just wouldn't fit yeah. under the under the baggy green. And we're underestimating this because when, you, when you're bowling, you, you put your hair in a very specific spot so that it doesn't, the ponytail doesn't come untied mm. while you're bowling. Yep. And if they're forced to put their ponytail in a very low angle on their neck, it might, might impact how well they bowl. <laughs> well, uh, even though they take the hat off, but the ponytail's yep. still in the same location. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's a, as good an excuse as any, I think, for <laughs> Australians' uh, yeah. lackluster bowling performance. Yeah. Certainly, their bowling uh, didn't hinder Smriti Mandana. She was eventually mm. player of the match. She made a century. She made 127 from 216 balls, and she pretty much set the pace for India's entire match. She, yeah. she flew out of the gate. She got a runner ball half century, mm. then, then chilled out a little bit. Remembered it was a test, and yeah. decided, oh, well, I better calm down a bit. Yeah, but that's yeah. So you don't want to upstage your, cap- your captain at any point by going too quickly. No, definitely not. No. Uh, and at what point was it raining in, in all of this? Pretty or, much uh, the third session of the yep. first two days. So there was rain mm. and lightning and hail. It was uh, it was all, all pretty grim. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that, that meant India basically batted well into the third day of a four-day test. Uh, d- despite the, the growing frustration of the commentators or, or mm. commentary unit, as I like to call them, <laughs> uh, in honour of Brad, Brad Hodge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but eventually they, they did declare. Claire, uh, eight for 377 midway through the third day. And I, I think their plan was that, uh, you know, the only way they could possibly win in such a rain-affected four-day test match was by uh, bowling Australia out twice cheaply. 
Yes. So, I mean, the five-day test is partly there to mm. compensate for potential rain delays and other, other problems. So, yep. you know, how many, how many more gems do these teams need to unlock before they get five days to I play instead of four? There are certainly a lot of gems in, in both sides. So, yeah, yeah. They, 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 uh, yeah it's uh, not, not, not really fair that they uh, have to deal with four days and then lose basically another, you know, half a day to two-thirds of a day as well. I mean, it does give them a lot of practice at declarations, as we'll, we'll talk <laughs> <does>. about. <laughs> and, and I think there were... Was it um, Hypo Forced on Twitter who said uh, that there were there were a lot more declared innings in mm. women's test matches than they were relatively speaking in in men's test matches? Yes, there, there was a stat of how, how often there there'd been three declarations in a test, and then the, it was like ten times as many in women's tests as there, there were in men's tests. Yeah, proportionally seven, speaking, seven out of one hundred and forty-two women's tests, and mm-hmm. only six out of two thousand four hundred and thirty-three yeah. yeah. men's test matches, which is a fantastic stat as well. It's a great stat. Yep. Anyway, so uh, chasing the eight for 377, uh, Australia reached stumps on the third evening at four for 143. It was uh, Elise Perry and Ash Gardner. They were trying to save the day there. They they basically had to avoid the follow-on. As soon as they avoided the follow-on, the test was pretty much doomed to be a draw. Mm. And they, uh, they almost failed to do it. Gardner was dismissed when they were about... Yeah, twenty runs short of the follow-on, and then Australia lost five for fifteen, and it was a little <laughs> little bit panicky. As uh, uh, I think Elise Perry op- adopted the Steve Waugh tactic of uh, batting with the tail of I'll just take a single and good luck at the other end. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, they got past the follow-on mark, and then Lanning just said, "Come in, girls." Yep. So, yeah, yeah, she decided to declare, and then uh, so Perry finished eighty-six not out at that. Sorry, sixty-eight not out, uh, boosting a test batting average to eighty-six. So eighty-six point six. When Perry was batting, mm. we commented on how her bat just has a black smudge right in the centre yep. of her bat. Nowhere else, like that—that's clearly the only place the ball ever hits her bat. <laughs> yeah, or if it hits anywhere else, she cleans it up yeah, really quickly. So it's wonderful. Either way, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good uh, good statement of uh, how impressive she is. I'll, I'll just make sure everybody could see the middle of my bat is well worn. Yeah, it's almost a sledge, isn't it, yeah. for the for the other side? Yep. Yeah. Uh, she also took her three hundredth wicket in international cricket earlier in the test. Uh, that was when she had uh, Pooja Vastraka caught by Beth Mooney, and that may- meant that she was the first woman and the first Australian, and therefore the first. Australian woman to reach the uh, 5,000 runs, 300 wickets double, and in only her ninth test, which was miraculous, really. <laughs> I mean, no spoilers for any of your books, but it would be very disappointing for your books, wouldn't it, if her performance started to flag at this point of her career? Yeah, yeah, possibly. But uh, yeah, I mean, can books be disappointed? But I, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they can. But I, I, I think uh, the, the, the you're, you're referring. Uh, I'll spoil it. I don't care. <laughs> no, at least Perry is number one on my list of. Uh, the greatest Australian cricketers of the past 50 years. Mm. Uh, she's cementing it. Yeah, yeah, and she's definitely cementing it. There's and even more daylight between her and number two. Whoever number two was, I can't I remember. I don't know, some, some old bloke who bowled a bit of wristpin. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so, but, but the, the book the book was a moment in time. I think I, I even said in the book that Pat Cummins <laughs> was, I don't know, whatever he was. was oh, way too low. Late 30th <laughs> or something. I said, Pat, Pat's going to finish much higher than this, but yeah. I've, I've got to write it as, as it is rather than trying to predict out into the future. Isn't that going to be a wonderful second edition? In, in 10 years' time when he ends up, I don't know, I guess number two? Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Australia's greatest ever captain. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so India batted again. Uh, they declared at three for 135. They had 32 overs to bowl at Australia. Um, now, we thought we thought Australia was daring, declaring. Mm. You know, well, some behind. people thought Australia was daring. Did, I, I didn't think did. it was particularly daring. <laughs> so some people thought it was daring. But, I mean, India then, you know, hold my beer. I'm declaring too. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, yeah, in, India did take a couple of early wickets. They got Healy and Mooney. But uh, Lanning and Perry... Uh, got Australia into the final hour and that's that's when they shook hands and accepted the draw and I kind of got the sense watching it that uh uh Lanning more or less bullied uh, Mithali Raj into shaking hands. She kind of put her hand out and Mithali Raj was like, well, wait a second, maybe we still think we can take these eight mm. wickets in the last hour. And Lanning was like, oh, you don't want to call it a draw? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty obvious it was a draw. And Mithali Raj was looking around, oh, I don't know, it's up to you, but I, I think it's going to be a draw. And then eventually, oh, well, I'll shake your hand. <laughs> that yes. was it. So a bit Terrible of experience Terrible tactics against the spirit of cricket there from the Australian <laughs> captain. That was Fantastic. I think it, I think that shaking hands in that last innings counts as a second declaration from India. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> very possibly. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So I think we do have. Uh, you know, it's a second declaration. We've got four declarations in the match. Yep. Effectively. I think so. Yes. Australia's declared there the second time. Yep. Do you know why Mathali Raj waited until that moment? Because I've got another theory. No. What's What's your theory? Across the two innings, India made five twelve and Australia made two hundred and forty. Mm-hmm. So you know they're clearly dominant with the bat, right? Yep. India and Australia took eleven wickets, and and India just had to keep bowling until they'd also taken uh, 11 wickets yeah, and then enough. oh well we may see you know they probably should have taken 12 <laughs> but anyway they waited until they'd equaled Australia and then they went okay now we can now yep. we can finish the match where yep. Australia is not above us in yeah. any way <laughs> yep. shape or form here yeah no I, I think that, made, that makes good yeah, sense just in case the test is ever decided on a count back which <laughs> in some games of cricket it is oh who knows yes <laughs> So that's good. Uh, and as you pointed out, a test win in the multi-format series, when you win the test, I mean, that should be, if you can win a test yeah. and it's not a draw, that should be worth a lot more than just two points yeah. or six yeah. points or whatever it is. Yeah, it should be, should be two points each for a, for a drawn test and it should be like a thousand points yeah. if you win it. It should be like the golden snitch of yeah. the, this multi-format series. Should be, you win it, you win the entire series. Forget yeah. about everything else. And then the, the T20s can just be for fun yeah. afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is, I think is how it used to be when the test used to end the series too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, as we head into the final leg of the, the series, uh, Australia leads 6-4. So there's six points up for grabs in the T20s. India needs to win three to win the series. Australia needs to win two to win the series. And of course, if India win the T20 series 2-1, it's going to be a a drawn series. And then we will have that count back to the test. So good thinking there from from Mathali Raj. (laughs) And I think, as you mentioned in the opening joke, Australia really shouldn't should be reconsidering their dominance in Queensland because yeah. uh, not, not anymore. Uh, yeah, both uh, the Indian men and the women are uh, getting close to or defeating yeah. Australia. Uh, and I, I guess the, the final thing we've got is uh, the player of the series. We, we mm. uh, you, I think you came up with the idea of who the, <laughs> what the player of the series should receive. Yes, well they would they would you know tossing around names on the commentary mm. about the Border Gavaskar Trophy and so on, and so I thought that maybe we should be awarding the Raj Perry beret <laughs> to the. Uh, to the person who does the best there, the Raj Berry Beret. Please support capitalism by checking out these sponsors. All right, so a new new sponsor this week, or maybe this is a previous sponsor, I can't remember, but either way, um, I'm ordering you all now to go out and buy my new book. You can pre-order uh, 50 Great Moments in Australian Cricket. I'm not going to spoil this one. Uh, it's available <laughs> for pre-order. And, and you should probably go buy it because it's not just a selection of cricket moments. It's also basically my entire thesis on why cricket is the greatest sport. And it just happens to be filtered through a selection of cricket moments. Uh, 
Uh, and th- those moments go all the way back to the very first t- test match. So big hello to Charles Bannerman if he's listening. <laughs> and but you haven't previously been able to talk about the early tests because often your books have been limited to the last 50 years. Yes. So, so this is very exciting, isn't it? It is a little bit exciting. Mm. I've, I've decided, all right, we're not going to limit it purely to Australia. I mean, technically it's mostly Australia, but mm. if, if push comes to shove, I'll... Uh, pushing somebody who's perhaps not as tightly aligned with Australia as they might otherwise be. And as you mentioned, I'm, I'm going all the way back, which means I do also get to cover Bloody Bradman because I do an entire section on the statistics of cricket mm. and he pretty much keeps poking his head up all the time. So uh, if you if you want to uh, get that book, uh, it's, it's a good book. I hope you'll enjoy <laughs> it. So you can go pre-order it by going to leadcricket.com slash 50 great moments and and you can pre-order it and make my publishers happy. Secure them jail to do enough jail time to convince anyone this is no setup. Cut deals that include some jail time. No jail time. He's not going to want to hear that you have endangered our operation just to get your thugs out of a little jail time. <laughs> One of our favourite segments, uh, a little bit more jail time. Yes. It's hard to believe, but uh, Justin Langer is back. In back a, in, in the, the news. news. Yep, exciting. <laughs> So this time, what, what's Justin Langer done this time that, that deserves a segment, Dan? Well, it's been revealed that Justin Langer wasn't happy with Nathan Ellis. Uh, this, this goes back to uh, uh, the, the tour of the West Indies, which feels like about three months ago now. Mm. Uh, Nathan Ellis was a substitute fielder in one of the T20s, I think, in, in that series. And, and he went onto the field and he was wearing a watch, a Casio watch to be precise. And uh, Justin Langer was not impressed by this. He, when, when Ellis came off the field, Langer gave him a complete spray and told him what he thought of him. So, mm. uh, and we, we heard this, uh, this, was, this was based on a, a discussion between uh, Peter Lawler and uh, Gideon Hay on their podcast. Uh, mm. And apparently Peter Lawler said that JL doesn't believe in jewellery on the field. Well, it creates that white patch underneath you. You know, you don't get an even tan on your arms. That's very true. So I think, true. you know, JL's got some... Something there. Yeah, maybe. Something. Uh, well, I, I would have thought the West Indies was the worst possible place to institute some kind of jewellery ban on players. Uh, imagine trying to tell Viv Richards or Kirby <laughs> Ambrose, sorry guys, you're going to have to take that jewellery off. I mean, that seems yeah. very, very strange. Maybe JL was trying to um, make sure that there was a big dis- you know, difference between the two teams and he, he wanted it to be completely jewelryless for the, for the Australian boys. I can't wait until Langer somehow... <laughs> becomes coach of the West Indian cricket team. Just imagine that. <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> I, I also thought that, you know, maybe JL said something like, you know, oh, you better watch yourself, Nathan Ellis. And Ellis took it completely the wrong way and strapped a watch <laughs> under his wrist. Yes, that's, that's good. Because people are constantly getting JL's little phrases, misinterpreting them and so on. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he's necessarily a great communicator. He's, uh, no. he's very monosyllabic and grumpy. But what was the funniest thing about this story, Dan? Well, I, I, I think one of the funniest things <laughs> Is just, just just the fact that it's it's one in a, in an ever growing list of things that JL doesn't like on the field. He doesn't yep. didn't like uh, Marnus. Marnus tried to take a toasty onto the field last yeah. year. JL wasn't having that. Yeah. Um. And so I, I suspect. And this focus on things that are nothing to do with the cricket is really quite amusing, isn't it? It's, uh, I'm not going to tell you about how you didn't bowl as you were supposed to. Instead, I'm passively, aggressively focusing on something else. Yeah, he's basically, yeah. <laughs> his method of coaching is telling you all the things you shouldn't do and then hope, like, like, like carving a statue. He's just chipping away. If you don't do all these things, then what's left is the perfect Australian test cricketer. Yeah. So I think that's what he's working on. Well, I found the most fun. The funniest thing was that it was pointed out several times that it was a Casio watch. Yes. <laughs> 
kind of amusing just because it was such an irrelevant, you know, it's a kind of an irrelevant detail and it was mentioned in the article like yeah. three or four times. Yeah. Uh, and I was a child in the 80s and that was my first watch, mm. a Casio watch. I think I had a Casio calculator watch, which might be handy in a T20 when you're trying to work out, you know, the run mm, rates and stuff. If yeah. you could tap on it and do the division. Absolutely. Jail was uh, angry because of, because of the brand. Yeah, maybe. maybe. maybe his preferred maybe, brand. Maybe sponsored by Rolex or something. Well, someone in the article was sponsored by Casio, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think JL's going to ban next? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I did. I, I want him to ban socks. Ban socks? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be really funny. It would be very random, wouldn't it? It would be very yeah. random. Yeah. But maybe uh, maybe earrings. I mean, that's on the jewellery theme. But yep. I think he should ban headbands. Oh, the bloody hell. Yeah, he's having a, a vendetta against Adam Zampa there, wouldn't he? Yeah. No yeah. headbands, no earrings for Adam Zampa. He's in yeah. big trouble. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, JL's probably going to ban podcast segments about him next. <laughs> Can't fall, can't throw, coming live. Thanks for tuning in and taking your time. The underappreciated act of the week. The funniest and crazy plays of the week. Who is going to join the honorary board? The number one Scott Moller Award. All right, it's the Muller Award. That's our award for the most absurd thing that happened in cricket over the past week. So what have we, what have we got up for nomination this week? Lots of absurd things. More than the number of days in the week, I think, we yep. have, Dan. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think first up I've got uh, Tasmania deciding that they, this happened shortly after we released our previous episode. Tasmania uh, heard that there were a handful of cases uh, popping up in Queensland, so they said, we're not going to play this Sheffield Shield match. We're out of here. We're going home. And that was mm. it. That, they, they were done. It wasn't officially cancelled by Cricket Australia, they were just jumping on a plane and heading straight back home. Yep, yep, and snapped that border shut behind them. Yep. So there's a few for the IPL this week, Dan, and the first one I have is is Josh Hazelwood. He's playing for the Chennai Super Kings and he got a man of the match mm-hmm. uh, for, for his three for 24 uh, against the Sunrisers, yep. and I don't really like I don't really like this. So so he he bowled out I think the number one and the number five and the number six or something like that. It, it's pretty unfair because the Sunrisers are such a terrible team for starters. You shouldn't be getting any man of the match awards for any no. performance of any feat against yep. them. But also Rashid Khan's in the Sunrisers, mm-hmm. and I reckon he should get a man of the match every time the Sunrisers play just for showing up. <laughs> So that's my nomination. Do you have one from the IPL? I do. I've got uh, uh, Ashwin. He uh, decided that he was going to take a bonus run after a, a ball deflected off uh, Rishabh Pant. Yeah. And everybody got angry about this. Uh, most most notably, I think it was Owen Morgan got angry about it. Uh, he was uh, he got very cross. And uh, Yeah, that, Mo- um, Morgan and Southey, I think, gave him a yes. bit of a send-off or a spray or something. Yeah. yeah. So Ash- Ash- Ashwin eventually defended himself on Twitter, of course. Uh, he's not, gonna, not, not a shrinking violet. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Owen Morgan getting cross got a lot of Indian fans cross because they were saying, "Well, wait a second, you guys wouldn't have won the World Cup if, uh, mm. you know, if not for a deflection off Ben Stokes." So what are you carrying on about? And that in turn got a lot of England fans cross because they're like, "Oh, Ben Stokes was never going to run. It was just you know yeah. mere happenstance that the ball happened to go all the way to the boundary and get us into a position to win a World Cup." Wow. And it was just all a wonderful piece of uh, you know, spirit of cricket nitpicking, which I, which I really like to see. I, I, I just like to see other nations uh, looking after the line for once. I mean, Australians deserve a break from looking after the line. Yes. So good to see other other countries stepping up. Good to see that New a New Zealander just teetering on on the li- on the line. <laughs> yeah. Not sure whether he's going to end Tim Southey, whether he's going to end up on the right or the wrong side. Mm, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's very good. rare. 
Yeah, mm. excellent. All right, uh, I've got another one here, another IPL-related mm-hmm. one, uh, Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations, Steve Smith, uh, getting in the last week to play the first match of the reboot <laughs> of the IPL season. Good work, Steve. He hasn't he been. He went all right, though, didn't he? He did, go, he did go all right, but yeah. he's been on the bench for a while, so it's nice to see him get an outing. Yeah. He's had two outings now. Yep, good for him. Yeah. Uh, I've also got Tim Payne. So in addition to Tim Payne having a shot at Joe Root for saying, well, if you're not going to come, we're still going to win the Ashes anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he also had a, had a go at uh, KP. KP was also saying, oh, well, I, well, I'm not going to the Ashes. I'm not, not pretty sure KP's not playing, Is so he it doesn't invited? really matter. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I don't think it's a great loss if KP doesn't come over, but yeah. Tim, Tim Payne uh, pointed out that uh, KP was an expert on everything. So I'm, I'm sure KP will be pleased to hear that Tim has such a high, high regard for him. Okay, so it was... It was ironic or was I it? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, I've got another one here. It relates a little bit to the uh, to the, to the the test match, but just in general, mm-hmm. Mitchell Stark following the Australian women's yes. team to everywhere that they go. He's just yep. adorable. Yeah, he's like, he's like a giant puppy, isn't he? Yeah, yep. he's, he's fantastic. But this particular anecdote is, deserves nomination, and that's Stella Campbell, who's who's playing in her first, first matches. She's mm-hmm. very fresh to the Australian setup. And she was saying, "Oh, look, you know, it was a bit wet out there in the in, in the in the ground. I was slipping a bit with my front foot." So Mitch Stark asked if we had any long spikes. Yep. And then uh, she, no one had any. She'd never <laughs> worn them before. So he went out and bought them for all of us. What, so, a, what a generous and man! And then she used it, and presumably it helped. So yep. uh, what a lovely story. Yeah. Good work, Mitchell Stark. Yep. Uh, we've also got uh, oh, just kind of semi-related to the women's test. Uh, the fact that the there's no DRS in it. I mean, that that's very silly. That's. Mm. Uh, Definitely worthy of a muller because there are about four wickets that would have been overturned if they'd had it. There was, uh, I think, Meg Lanning inside edged onto her front pad, and uh, one of the Indian batters was given out with one that pitched well outside leg stump. So mm. there were uh, a few dud decisions. They went both ways, but come on, guys, get, get, get the DRS up and running for the women. Yeah. I mean, my question to you, though, Dan, is, is Elise Perry was, mm. was not out. So mm. if, if Elise Perry doesn't need DRS. <laughs> Why do the rest of them? Well, I, I think the lack of DRS saved Elise Perry at one point. I, th- I, think, I think if uh, I think India appealed for one where she taken she a big stride down down and that it hit the pad just before the bat, and if they'd had DRS, they they might have got her. But uh, mm. yeah, she got away with that. Yes. Well, I have one more. One do you more? have any more? No, that's it for me. I think other- <laughs> that's almost plenty. <laughs> that's it. So we're up to seven. So this is number eight. Yep. This is a stat pointed out by Rick Finlay. Mm-hmm. Friend of the podcast, Rick Finlay. That's right. And he pointed out that uh, Ash Gardner and uh, Vastraka for India both had a, an unusual trifecta mm-hmm. in the test. They they both offered a catch, so they hit a, hit a catch that was dropped. Mm-hmm. They each dropped a catch. Yep. And they were also bowling when uh, they suffered from a dropped catch off their bowling, so uh, which was fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's a great stat. Yeah. I mean, it, it's impressive enough to have one person who's done all three, but have two, two yeah. who've done all three. Uh, and of course, Ash Gardner later took an absolute screamer of a catch and then seemed completely ambivalent about it. She kind of stood up and just wandered over, looked high yeah. tanning with the most bored look on her face that you could imagine. <laughs> that's right. So uh, great work from uh, from those women there. I think someone also pointed out that those two players, uh, Gardner and Vastrak, uh, both also dropped each other. Yes, which that's is, true. Yeah. <laughs> which is, is unbelievable. Yep, so I think it's your turn to choose out of those eight. Who wins the Muller, if you can even remember them? Do you want me to run through them again? Uh, no, I think I've got them all. I, I, I'm i very tempted to give it to Ashwin just because he got so many people angry with uh, yes. An innocent little uh, run yep. and uh, didn't even impact the match at nope. all, but uh, created waves all around the globe. Yeah, fantastic stuff from Ashwin. So the, he gets the... Uh, the Muller Award for this week. Okay. Does that bring us to the end? It does indeed. So you've been listening to Dan Lipke and Kat Jones. You can find us on Twitter. 
I'm at Leap Cricket and Kat is at Cricket Back Cat. And you can also follow us on at Can't Bowl Throw on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Just search for Can't Bowl Can't Throw and we will be back again usually on a Monday. We'll see you next week. Podcast Network.